Geekville Radio. This is the way. This is the way. Once again, all you geeks and geekettes, this is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with another Star Wars-themed episode. We have gathered our bearings for a while because we had to kind of wind up and line up our times where we could talk The Mandalorian. I know it has been over for a little over a month now, but it nonetheless was unlike the Rise of Skywalker itself, this one seemed to be universally liked, and we're going to dive into The Mandalorian, uh, talk the season in general, and then we'll also tie things up in our second segment, talking about the force healing that both Baby Yoda and Ben Solo and Rey used in The Rise of Skywalker. And once again, I don't have to do it alone. Once again, rejoining me from the nice soft padded cell in the asylum in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Yeah, we kind of have delayed this. Part of that's on me, ladies and gentlemen. I I didn't finish the series as fast as Seth did. But if you know, I'm I'm a Star Wars geek. Seth is really a Star Wars geek. He is, he's a bigger Star Wars geek than I am. I think we're probably even keel on comic books, but on Star Wars, I got to give a little bit of the tip to him on that one. Now, one of the things we talked about the Mandalorian, the episodes is it definitely had that classic Western feel like almost like the only thing was missing was the, the classic fistful of dollars whistling riff in it. Right. Oh yeah. I think I had mentioned to you off mic that, that, that very first episode at the very beginning when he's captured his bounty, the only thing missing was that, that wide shot, and we could just see the tumbleweed going across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing missing. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll start off with this. There was that infamous stinger in the fifth episode. That was the one that had Ming-Na Wen as, uh, I, I forget the character's name, but, but she died in the end. And they the had that, Yeah, they, they had that <laughs> mysterious uh, character that we only saw for a few seconds. And I think we agree here. One, I don't get why, for some reason, there's this big fan theory that it's Boba Fett. I think that that's just people wanting it to be Boba Fett, because if this is supposed to be eight years after Return of the Jedi, assuming Boba Fett even survived the Sarlacc, and I'm honestly not even sure if there's actually a canon Disney acknowledgement that he did, eight years later, no way in hell is Boba Fett going anywhere without his armor. Yeah, first thing, he didn't survive the Sarlacc. Sorry to break that to you that want to buy into this conspiracy theory. You know, I, I agree with with uh, what 3PO says as a translator. As you spend a thousand years in agony being slowly digested in the belly of the Sarlacc. That is where Boba Fett is at this point. I mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I think a lot, a lot of fans want it to be Boba Fett. He's not going to go without his armor. I've heard someone argue, well, you know, his armor is modified Mandalorian armor, so that they would confuse people. You know, and they just, I'm like, quit trying to argue this. You know, right. it, it, you just want it to be Boba Fett. I've ran it before. I'll, I'll keep it brief, but I am going to get on my soapbox. Boba Fett, yes, he looked cool. He was a throwaway character, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you that are big Boba Fett fans, he's much like Captain Phasma. Cool outfit, very visually appealing. They've never really had any intent for him to be any more than what he was. Okay. And, it's one of those weird things when you don't expect certain things to get 
popular that do. You know, I mean, remember the Macarena got popular too. Okay, <laughs> right, <laughs> I right. don't think that was. It, it, it's not that I'm not trying to compare Boba Fett to the Macarena. I'm just saying that you, you I put don't a think really Luke... weird visual in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, <laughs> You can see him doing the dance. <laughs> yeah. well, that's that that that's an animated gift that would that would live on, go viral quickly, wouldn't it? <laughs> but um, but yeah, my my point my point is is I don't think Boba Fett or Captain Phasma are characters that Lucas or the people in charge expected to become so popular like they did, and now they're having to deal with it. You know, twenty thirty years later, it's not Boba Fett. Um, I said, one, I think he's dead, and two, I totally agree. He's not going anywhere without that armor. And you could sit there and argue, well, they don't want him to wear the armor because it looks like the Mandalorians and blah, blah, No, no. The reason he's not – it's not Boba Fett. It, it's, the reason it's not him and his armor is because it's not Boba Fett because Boba Fett's dead because right. he's slowly being digested in the belly of the Sarlacc on another system, on Tatooine, end of story. Right. Now, my first pick when I was – watching the series the first time is I thought it was Cad Bane because that's a character that well he started out in Clone Wars and I think he showed up later in Rebels and if you watch the original Star Wars A New Hope when they're in the canteen and you have those two green faced kind of red-eyed aliens in astronaut suits kind of talking to each other that's the type of species that he is but he's got the broad rimmed hat he's got the uh the the long coat he kind of he's got jet boots that kind of look like spurs because i know people are saying oh well he's got the same spur sound in his walk that boba fett has you really mean to tell me that boba fett is the only person in the entire galaxy who makes a spur sound when he walks i i find that very difficult to believe uh if i put the appropriate accoutrement on my own cowboy boots i make that sound <laughs> <laughs> well there you go yeah <laughs> so but but i digress i i, I know how to ride horses <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> haven't in a while but i do know how yeah. um yeah I, I i'm not as familiar or knowledgeable with clone wars and rebels as you are once again lazy to, i'm not as hardcore star wars fan <laughs> as Seth is. uh but with your description of that character it would make sense especially in light of what we just mentioned that they're going for this western look and feel that looks and sounds like a western character uh, but I, I personally think this is just me once again uh, that it probably is a character that that is going to be further um, developed in season two. Exactly, and it's probably going exactly. and it's probably going to be a character we've met, we've never even heard of before. Yeah, uh, the idea of it being Cad Bane and being someone who is canon and has been introduced—that's possible. I just think when I mean they gave us Baby Yoda in this show, okay. And, and have not even really mentioned Yoda, you know? So I think with that being said, Fav- Favreau and the people running this show are, are have been giving a, a lot of leeway by Disney and Lucas films to create a world built in the, the Star Wars universe. But if they want to create whole new characters, as long as it doesn't contradict anything that's already established as canon or what they plan to do down the road, they're letting him do it which Mm -hmm. lends me to believe he's going to create his own characters. Combined with the fact that uh, I talk about this all the time on our wrestling podcast. I talk about it uh, when we talk about comic books versus what we see on screen and adaptations of comic books. Uh, These things are not made for hardcores. They're made for for casuals, you know, Mm -hmm. because the hardcores are going to watch regardless. So it seems to me 
you could you could hedge your bets and make it Cad Bane, so it's the wink wink to the hardcores, and it's like a new character created for these uh, casuals. But I think that they're just going to whole cloth. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other thought that I had was that it might be Bo Katan, who was also in Clone Wars and Rebels. And part of the reason why I think they might go that route is because that character is voiced and kind of modeled after Katie Sackhoff. So I don't think you'd have to twist her arm too much to play that world live action. The only thing is, if you do the math, the character would have to easily probably be in her her mid-50s now. And, I mean, maybe Katie Sackhoff can can play a middle-aged older woman. I mean, mean, I'm sure it's possible. But I think making her, like, trying to be in her prime and what we all expect Katie Sackhoff to look like, you know, I don't know. But I think you're really onto something because if it is a second season, which we now know they're they're going to have, it's going to be in the fall, that opens up the avenue. Because when I made the thing, I, I wrote up a, a blog uh, shortly after that episode aired where mm-hmm. I speculated that I thought it was going to be Cara Dune and that she was going to turn heel in the, the, the final episode. Because that was right. what made sense in my my brain. Since that didn't happen, I'm like, okay, well, now we have it where that could be anybody. And I think it's right. cool that that we could, it can be anybody because you know there's no like right or wrong speculation, so to speak. Now I'm not going to be upset if I'm wrong and you know and, and thinking that's Cad Bane. If it's somebody new, hey, great. I have faith that it will still be something entertaining just because of what we got in the first season here. Right. On uh, just a thought on your Bo-Katan, uh Karen Sackoff thoughts mm-hmm. be careful what you wish for remember what they did to kevin conroy when we finally got him as a live action bruce wayne just a few weeks ago yeah good point <laughs> i'm not letting that go i already gave a 20 minute <laughs> yeah. stump speech about that on our last episode when we talked the first half of the crossover but i digress ladies and gentlemen now episode seven that had the fan favorite character of quill who was of course voiced by nick nolte you know i have spoken I thought it was kind of funny that they clearly had him die at the end of episode seven. And then in the final episode, they did that hilarious bit with the scout troopers. It was like an episode of red versus blue for anybody who watched the, (laughs) you know, the online uh, series there. They clearly even made the joke about how bad of shots stormtroopers are, but yet they still managed to kill Queel. So it's just like, what does that say for Queel's fighting ability there? Well, you can't go wrong when you compare it to a, a, a show based on Halo, because let's be honest, Halo and, and Destiny, for that matter, both Bungie <laughs> games, were heavily influenced by Star Wars, okay? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I, I, I never played Halo. I couldn't get into it. I did play Destiny quite religiously for a long time, then it kind of lost me. But essentially, your characters in Destiny, uh, there's three classes, but they're all called Guardians, and they're essentially Space Wizards. They can they can okay. they, they go around space. They can use weapons. They have magical abilities to create grenades out of thin air that have a recharge time because it's a video game. I'm going. These are essentially Jedi. <laughs> when I first, I mean, I was 20 minutes into playing the game for the first time. I'm going. These are essentially Jedi. And so I realized where the people who had made that game were influenced. So that's a nice analogy, Seth. And what did you think about the whole? Uh- punching baby Yoda. I mean, I, I didn't really think it was going to become the meme that it did, but I thought it was kind of funny how you kind of, you had that punch and then it was like the little, I still like the one where he spits the frog out better, but yeah. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Uh, baby Yoda's was a hit. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was okay. 
I just talked about just no more than five minutes ago. I don't think the people in charge expected Captain Phasma or Boba Fett to become the mainstream popular character. I think they totally intended Baby Yoda to become what he's become. I think mm-hmm. that was fully planned, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was one of those. I Can't don't lose. Think, right, you're right. <laughs> and, and I don't think it was just chance that George Lucas himself was present during some of this filming. I mean, there there's even that picture that went viral of George holding Baby Yoda. And, of course, I even captioned it. Uncle George, I, I, I want the chicky nuggies and the chalky milk. And then, you know, so. <laughs> Frank Oz wasn't around for any of this, was he? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like BB-8. I, that was another one. They fully mm-hmm. knew BB-8 was going to become the darling that he that he has become. You right. Know? And this was back when I was calling BB-8 soccer bot. Right. And and look, for the you jaded sons of guns out there who want to talk about, eh, just more of them trying to worry about making toys. Yes, it's called making money. It's a business. Deal with it. That's what George did go, going all the way back to the original <laughs> film. So there you go. Right, right. I mean, does Kenner even exist as a, as a toy company much longer than what they did if they don't cut that deal? Come on. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I see it in wrestling. I see it with, with fans of movies. Do you do people do understand this is a business? And at the end of the day, it's about making money. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to eat and everybody's got to keep the lights on. And yes, some... There are people who do art for art's sakes. They're starving and homeless, but I digress. <laughs> now, one of the things I wanted to bring up here, and I know you said you don't really watch Clone Wars or Rebels, so I'll be, I'll be brief with this, but there was that stinger ending to the final episode where Moff Gideon cut his way out of his TIE fighter with that black-lit lightsaber, which, of course, they called right. the dark saber. I mean, I don't think that was chance. And again, this is me trying to put everything to, you know, you can kind of picture that viral meme picture. That's the the guy with the mustache and the cigarette, and he's got everything all laid out in the, on the walls, you know, you know, you know, me mm-hmm. talking about Star Wars and stuff. That's kind of what I'm doing right now, but I'll, I'll be brief. I'll keep <laughs> it simple. Uh, what that heavily implied was that it was the weapon that goes back to, I think, the second season of Clone Wars where a Mandalorian named Pre Vizsla had it, who was also voiced by John Favreau. You know, you see a connection here. And also, having a character called Pre Vizsla implies that there was a post Vizsla out there somewhere, like maybe that was like his, his son or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was handed down for generations for the ruler of Mandalore. And Darth Maul killed Pre Vizsla and had it for a while. But the last time we saw Darth Maul in Clone Wars, he was getting tortured by... Palpatine by by Darth Sidious. You know, yes, they actually did Maul versus Palpatine in the Clone Wars series. Well, well, I mean, was was Maul wrong? <laughs> I think he finally saw Palpatine for what he was. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, whatever Maul felt about Palpatine kind of played itself out with what happened with Anakin just a mm-hmm. few years later. Right. But right. like Maul was off that far off the, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if it's canon anymore. But the stuff we got in comics and whatnot about how Palpa or how Maul became to be Darth Maul and what race he is and how he was raised by Palpatine, you mm. could understand uh, why he might have some 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 um, issues with Palpatine. Uh, abusive would be a light term, I think I would use, wouldn't you? Yeah, especially when he may have very well looked at Palpatine as a father figure. You yeah, know, literally. Who beat yeah. the crap out of him <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and treated him like garbage and made him do horrible things. Right. Yeah. 
And for people in my line of work, we see that stuff on a movie or television show or reading a book. Like, well, there's somebody who's going to need therapy for years. That's the first thing we think, you know? <laughs> right. That's a good description of the, of the Maul Palpatine relationship before he starts training him to be a Sith, okay? I'll just leave it at that for those that don't know, all right? Yeah, Sidious was the person who beat his child or beat his pet so that they'd be the uncaged animal uh, on the battlefield. You know, that, that was basically what it, what it was. But anyway. Is there, is there any better trait for, for your top villain? than to be a child abuser and person who kicks dogs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or, or punches just Baby Yoda's, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, punches Baby I mean, there's just, I, I'm sorry, it just is what it is. <laughs> Certain things are just universally not accepted, and like, I'm not supposed to cheer for that guy. That kind of thing. <laughs> right. But in Rebels, somehow it got into the hands of uh, Sabine, who's a Mandalorian character in Rebels, and then it wound up in, now bringing up a, a character already mentioned, Bo-Katan. So that would seem to imply that uh, Katie Sackhoff's character somehow had and then lost possession of the Darksaber. Now, I don't know if it will be that involved. Uh, I mean, uh, Dave Filoni is involved in this, and he was involved in Rebels and Clone Wars, so we'll see. There is a storyline that's supposed to play out uh, on Mandalore. You actually, in the Clone Wars trailer that hit this week, there's clearly stuff happening on Mandalore, and Moff Gideon mentions the Siege of Mandalore, which is actually the title of a story arc in Clone Wars. So I think we'll see something pertaining to that Darksaber there. So that's really all I had as far as the Darksaber goes. Now, as far as the wind-up to the show, we know we're getting a second season. It's pretty clear Din, the Mando himself, he is going to go on the quest to find Baby Yoda's home. Uh, Cara Dune... I mean, first off, I thought she was a great character. Sure. I thought she was played perfectly by uh, Gina Carano. I think she can find work as a bounty hunter. I mean, it looks like she's going to kind of play it by ear, and it looks like grief is going to be starting the guild back up. So I think we're on the same page as far as that goes, right? Yeah, and don't you want Gina... I'm thinking now not as the story itself, but as a behind-the-scenes creative person. You've got Gina Carano. This is a woman who made her name being an MMA fighter, one of the first big-time female, don't you want to start using her in a way that allows her to do some action scenes? Mm-hmm. That's You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was, before Ronda Rousey, she was the top female athlete, I think, in, in the country, really. Yeah, it, it's like, yes, Brandon Lee was hired to do Eric Draven in The Crow because he you know, famously did that role, but does he get that role uh, if it isn't for the, the physicality he brings as a martial artist to the what was needed for the role, even though it's more of a mm-hmm. dramatic than it was a... You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, Chuck Norris, Eric Roberts did a lot of martial arts uh, as well. Yeah, you know, right. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. I mean, Dolph Lundgren was a national karate champion. Right. There's a reason why The Rock is the top action star in the world right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have a piece of talent who's known for athlete Vinnie Jones we bring up all the time on on examining the dead because he always mm-hmm. plays bad guys he was a he's a legitimate world-class soccer player why are you not gonna have him play uh you know do action scenes he's an athlete for god's sakes you know, right. you know <laughs> I mean, Brian Bosworth you know for an 80s example yeah, exactly I mean it, look we all love Bruce Willis and and Don Johnson and Mickey Rourke and I mean Mickey did some boxing of course right uh, I mean, a lot of uh, Tom Cruise, all these other action stars I can name, but a lot of those names have also done other type things. You know, 
you know when you're getting I mean, even like even in like Arnold Schwarzenegger's comedies, like Kindergarten Cop and Twins, he still did some fighting and action stuff. Because it's Arnold. Mm-hmm. I personally feel if for no other reason that's why they're gonna go that way. Yeah. Because I just think Gina Carano is she looks the part, she's already established as a character that, that the fans like. And by do, by making her a bounty hunter, like you said, you've also got the point. Grief's going to put the guild back together. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it allows you as a as a as a filmmaker, as a TV show maker. Oh, I've got somebody who can really look good. They know how action's supposed to look. And you can you really do a Star Wars movie without some action in it or anything Star Wars based? It can't be straight drama, now, can it? Right. You can only go so far with trade negotiation. You know, you got to have some action right. <laughs> sooner or later. That was the most boring movie for most people, and it still had a lot of action in it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get off my chest. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think we could. It wouldn't be too far fetched that Cara Dune might get her own spinoff show, or at least like a, a you know Disney Plus a movie one, or something like that. Like, one off. Maybe like one of those. Maybe like one of those Marvel one shot type deals. Exactly. A little fifteen yeah. minute something, you know. Right. And grief. I mean. There's a lot of ways they could go with him bringing the guild back together because, I mean, obviously there's going to have to be a lot of new people showing up because they basically killed everybody except for uh, it was the, uh, I, th- I think it was the, the the weapons maker. She was like the only one that made it out, right? Right. And we already speculated when we talked Mandalorian before, there's a lot more to be delved into with that character. Mm-hmm. You know that from the very first moment you see her. And the, the the brief conversation she has with the Mandalorian, right? So, it, to me, if you know episodic television, that's the kind of character you're not going to find out everything about him until about season six or seven, <laughs> right? And then there's going to be a twist after that, you know. Mm-hmm. You could even say that she's the type of character that you almost don't want to know everything about. Sure, I mean, it, is Charlie's Angels work if we ever ever actually see the face of Charlie? It loses something, definitely. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Even though we all know what John Forsyth looks like, but that's beside the yeah, point. But, it's, but it was about the voice. But, right. <laughs> you know, but anyway. With Din trying to find Baby Yoda's home, that would seem to imply that we're, we would see Yoda's home world. Right, because we, we, we talked about that before. The first time we brought up Baby Yoda. You know, Yoda is that, is that race of creatures that we don't, as, as Star Wars nerds, don't know a lot about. We know nothing about their home world. So maybe this is the foray into that. Right, right. There's Yoda, or there's Yaddle, who you see for like a tenth of a second in the in the background. <laughs> in, uh, you in sneeze, episode sneeze, one. and yeah. you miss it. Right, and then if the uh, Knights of the Old Republic game is considered canon, you had a character like that uh, in the in the Old Republic games, but I think that may be Legends now, and that character didn't even talk sideways like like Yoda did. So, and Yoda um, was what when he died? Nine hundred years 900 old? Nine hundred something? Yeah. And that's and, and, and what little we do know is that is an average lifespan for that species, correct? It, it would seem race. about right, yeah, yeah, because Frank Oz... So uh, we his, got a long time with Baby Yoda then, I guess is my right, point. Right, so I, I guess by the time uh, Rise of Skywalker comes around, he'll be like riding a bicycle or something, I don't know. But, right. You know, uh, I, I just, Frank Oz himself said something to the effect of, he just figured that since Yoda was so old, he just, he came from a different time. Hence why he talked differently like that, you know? Oh, kind of like Middle English and Old English versus Modern English type of analogy? Right, right. Yep, yeah. But I take it we're all sold on season two of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And we're checking the, the days off on the calendar, right? 
Sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not say that Carl Weathers had signed up to direct some episodes in season two? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to come back, and I believe he is directing some episodes. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, no. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our talk on The Mandalorian uh, itself here. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into uh, the Force Heal because there's been a lot of kickback in the fan community about uh, Force Heal and how it's been around for so long, and now all of a sudden it seems to be taking everybody by surprise. So this is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com part of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Family. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekVilleRadio.com. I keep meaning to update that outro there because I need to say <laughs> from uh, Hartnell to Whitaker now because, you know, there's been a right. whole other Doctor since then. But anyway. For uh, two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's our obligatory Doctor Who reference for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about her in the next Examine the doctor, especially since she said she's going to be around for a third year, which means it's probably going to be her last. And I'll just leave it at that. So, anyway, because other than Tom, other than Tom Baker and uh, Eccleston, that by everybody only lasts about three years, right? Yeah, yep, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, back to Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, as far as the calendar years, we first saw Force Heal on screen. I mean, George Lucas will tell you that Obi Wan used Force Heal on Luke in the original Star Wars after the attacked by the Tusken Raiders? Because you notice when Luke comes to, it's like all of a sudden he's perked up and, and, and fine. And I think that might have been part of the way it was directed. But you notice how Obi-Wan kind of put his hand over Luke's face like that. Right. But uh, the first time it was clearly shown really was Baby Yoda doing it to the Mandalorian. And then we saw it in the third act of Rise of Skywalker. And I think really Ray did it to that, that uh, snake creature. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but uh, which would have been like start of the second act, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you could say that. So this really has caused a lot of controversy in the geek community, which I guess we really shouldn't be too surprised, since you know we geeks seem to get our you know saddles in a wad over all <laughs> kinds of different things, all kinds of weird things. But you know, because Baby Yoda, I mean, it's clearly Baby Yoda's not trained in anything. I don't think anybody's taught him how to do anything. And he's just kind of going by emotion. And we also noticed how, and we talked about this before, when when, he, when Baby Yoda healed somebody, it's like he went to sleep for, like, basically the next day. And, right. you know, how Ray was able to heal a whole bunch of people, actually mainly just healing Ben, and was just um, uh, perfectly fine after. So right. really what this came down to as far as controversy is why didn't Jedi do healing more often? And one of the biggest examples is at the end of Phantom Menace where Qui-Gon gets cut down and Obi-Wan's at his side. I mean, that didn't really come up to me at all. I mean, I didn't really think of it because of the extent of the injuries. Because, I mean, yes, Ray impaled 
Ben or Kylo, but she healed him like right after. And Krygon, he was laying there dying for a number of minutes there while that went on. So he, he could have been fighting using the force to try to fend off whatever organs were shutting down as long as he could. Cause right. I, I like what the star Wars theory, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the, in the show notes just for anybody that hasn't watched the star Wars theory channel on YouTube. It was a very good point. Cause he, he brought up that uh, Qui-Gon says it's too late. So, I mean, you could take that to mean Qui-Gon already knows you're not going to be able to force heal me. Even if Obi-Wan knew how, and I think you right. could also argue that Obi-Wan maybe didn't even know how, and even if he did know how, Jedi are at their best, and this is my spin on it, a Jedi are at their best, Yoda even teaches it that, that a Jedi is most powerful when they're calm and at peace with the Force, something Obi-Wan clearly was not at that moment in time. He was teetering on anger, and we know where anger leads to if you follow exactly. the Star Wars mythos. Exactly. So I don't know if you had an opinion on that, or if you noticed anything about the Force healing, or because I didn't really take it as any sort of inconsistency or anything like that uh i just think there's two things and well maybe even a third i could bring up about it one i think that um you're right when he says it's too late i think one thing this is just without getting heavily into my own spirituality uh i know that george perceives the force and the jedi Uh, he borrows concepts from several different religions and spiritualities Mm -hmm. in our own world you know, spiritual ideologies and religions. And I think most religions and and things of a spiritual nature have this idea that death is a natural process and that death is something that is meant to happen. We know this to be true simply based on, in Star Wars and the Force, simply based on how did Palpatine convince Anakin to turn to the dark side anyways? Right. It was under the guise that you can save the people you care about, you know? Yeah, the, the death can be overcome. And Palpatine even flat out tells him. Many you know, look on this as wrong, as blasphemous almost. Mm-hmm. You know? Yoda kind of, you know, he kind of tells Luke that and when he dies in, in Return of the Jedi. No, it's my time. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. come out and say that, but Yoda knows. Strong am I in the forest, but not that strong. Right. It's like, so death and when it's your time is something I think Jedi would be in tune with, being in tune mm-hmm. with the force. Right. You know? And that it's a natural process. It's something we don't have force ghosts. We don't have the ability to communicate beyond uh, death as we know is now established without the idea that death is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's my, that's my take on the whole reason why Obi-Wan outside of the fact, I don't think he even knew how, because he was still a Padawan, you know? Right, right. Exactly. I don't think he knew how, which leads to my second thought, which uh, goes to how did Ray learn then? You had speculated off Mike that Leia taught her. I don't think Leia knew either. I think she got it from the other idea you had, which was from the text, the ancient Jedi mm-hmm. t- texts that you know were in uh, Last Jedi. I think it's an old, old art that probably uh, not very few Jedi even know about, let alone know how to do. You know, much like the ability to communicate beyond death. You know, um, so that's where I think Ray learned it. So uh, I, I do think it's an innate thing. And then the, the, the last thing I want to bring up, and, it, and it's why I think Ray wasn't tired, Ben wasn't tired, and Yoda was. Yes, there's the age differences, but you know, baby Yoda is exactly that, just a little baby, you know? And obviously there are physical exertions that an adult can, can withstand that no matter how strong a creature is in the Force, they can't withstand as a, as a small child. Uh, I'm going to refer, and I think you and I discussed this off mic right after that episode, uh, to comic books. I am a fan of Iron Fist, uh, those Long-time listeners know that when we talked about the Iron Fist show on, 
on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Danny Rand in the comics, he has the ability to heal himself and others as well using his chi, which of course is one of the spiritual concepts that George Lucas uses an inspiration for the force. He's been very open about this. Chi, of course, is an, is an idea in Eastern philosophies about a, a spiritual force that we all have inside of us, a spiritual power, and that it can manifest it. If you know how to channel it properly, you can manifest it. That's essentially what Danny Rand does to make the Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, But in the comics, it is depicted that when Danny heals himself or others, He's essentially trading some of his own life force to heal the other person. So it drains him and makes him physically tired. Mm-hmm. And depending on how severe the injuries are he heals, it can drain him for a very long time and, and much more seriously. I think that's probably the same type thing with the force. What say ye on that take on that? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right that it has to involve the transfer of energy from one to another and it makes sense because at the end of rise of skywalker remember palpatine recreates himself by sucking the life out of ben and ray at the end there you know you notice you see mm-hmm. him, he's regrowing his fingers and, uh, and all that stuff so right i think there's clearly if you're healing you're passing some of your own essence on and i really think that was part of the whole gimmick with the Darth Plagueis could keep those he loved from dying because Plagueis was probably able to do both. He would give some of his essence to the people he cared about, and he'd take essence from people he hated, because that's in the Darth Plagueis book. I think I even mentioned this before, that he was able Mm -hmm. to suck life out of people and rejuvenate himself, something Palpatine displayed. Would, would, Would essentially make him what we call a psychic vampire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good analogy. So if, if, if you go with that mindset, before you go into your thought, let's, let's look at the three cases we know of force healing on screen. Baby Yoda, Ben, Ray. Aside from the age difference that we've already brought up, Ben and Ray do it to something that isn't dying, is just seriously injured mm-hmm. and doing it right away. Mandalorian was almost dead, and, and but Yoda. So mm-hmm. the, the transference of your energy to, the, to that other thing to heal it is going to be greater on what Yoda, baby Yoda has to put forth than what Ray or Ben does. I think you see what I'm saying. Right, right. And we really don't know the extent of the injuries. I mean, he could have just gotten knocked for a loop or a concussion or something like that. I, I think he probably had a concussion. And this is coming from a guy who doctors think have CTE. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I mean, th- those, 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 those Jaffe sticks that the Tuscan Raiders use, they're essentially clubs. So, yeah, right. they're, they're, just, they're just built. To concuss, are they not? You, you've taken a few, enough chair shots to know what that feels like, right? Yeah, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that. You know the old the old cartoons where they see the stars going around their head when they get bonked on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, when you take a, a severe blow to the head, you literally see bright sparklies in your eyes. But I digress. <laughs> you do see stars. <laughs> I yeah. guess that's my point. Right. But the other thing that I was going to bring up, other than uh, the the whole thing about Obi-Wan maybe not being with it mentally, it might explain why he wasn't using the force speed to catch up to Qui-Gon and, and Darth Maul in, in Episode 1. But what if Jedi knew how to do force heal? I mean, how often would they actually do it? Because, again, going back to what uh, the Star Wars Theory Channel posted, it's like, if the general masses knew that Jedi were capable of healing... 
what would that do? Anywhere a right. Jedi would go, they'd get all these people, you know, they, you know, they'd be Jesus, basically, everywhere they, they'd go. They'd have all these people coming up begging to be healed, or their sickness, or their grandparents, or their pet womp rat, or something like that. And when you start getting into death is natural and the way of the Force and all that, they're going to piss off a lot of people by refusing to just heal just anybody. I mean, am I wrong right. in thinking that? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think, once again, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Uh, if you want to use Jesus as an example, because once again, by his own admission, George borrowed from a lot of different spiritual ideologies and religions to create the force. Christianity was one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whether you believe the Bible to be fiction or nonfiction does not matter. Uh, The stories of Jesus deal with him, you know, doing great healing, including bringing people back from the dead, resurrecting people, you know, Lazarus. Um, And he wasn't even advertising it. And people would show up wanting him to heal them. So mm-hmm. think about it. Word of mouth, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this is long before the internet. <laughs> this yeah. is, you know. <laughs> they saw it on somebody's tablet, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, this was literally, you know, word of mouth. So, yeah. And, and you got to realize when you look at, once again, no matter whether you think the Bible's fiction or nonfiction, uh, Jesus's domain area of, of influence uh, was really not that big geographically speaking where he traveled in, in you know in the stories from the, the New Testament mm-hmm. it's essentially what about 30 60 square miles maybe R- total right right i mean he was walking everywhere he went right he didn't want even ride a camel guys he was <laughs> so yeah and it got around to where every time he showed up in a small village people were coming hey come heal my me you know so the jedi who there's more than one and there is much better communication, and they're all over the galaxy. You do the math. Right. Especially when you have to figure that it, there is an essence transfer, which seems to be the case. You're, you're basically asking the Jedi, oh, yeah, uh, you know, just chop off half your life to heal my right. womp rat, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's yes, we can talk about, and, and as a parent, I can say this, there's nothing you wouldn't do to ease your child's burdens, you know? We, we all, you know, uh, yeah, I give some, I give my, I give my brother a kidney, that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is for people you don't even know. This is for, this is for, like I said, animals that are just, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't. So even if, I think you're right. Even if every Jedi learned this going back to, you know, the, the old times when there was a temple on Coruscant and it was part of your training as a Padawan to learn how to force heal. Don't know if this is exactly a power I'd be advertising. Right. Or using, except in the most extreme cases, because of that. Right. It, you know, it would probably be like a will of the force or a calling of the force or type thing, where, mm-hmm. again, it kind of goes to the religious and existential or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, calling, where it's just like, okay, you're supposed to die. Sorry, but, you know, right. your time's up. You, okay, you're not done yet. You know, that type of thing. Right. Right. Once again, I'm, I'm, I'm now granted I'm not Catholic. I, you know, but I do. I have studied you know catechisms. My understanding, once again, to to go into another uh, form of of spiritual ideology and religion that probably was something that influenced George as he create created this concept of the Force. And uh, in, in in Catholicism, you know, you go to uh, a priest for confession, and you confess your sins, and he absolves you of your sins. My understanding is that. And that that ideology, this the the priest himself is taking upon the the burden of the sin on himself by relieving you of it. Uh, to the point now, it's not practiced anymore. 
uh, I, you do see a scene of it, I believe, in uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code, um, mm-hmm. where you know priests back in middle and ancient times, after they would take confessions, would flog themselves. They'd self-flog to create pain to relieve themselves of the sins they had just taken on. You know, so this is not a concept that that you know is is unusual to religious and spiritual beliefs here on our earth in real world. So I think you understand where I'm going when I make that analogy there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I enjoy studying religion and spiritual ideologies. I just find it fascinating. Um, George, part of the reason I like Star Wars so much is the Force is a nice amalgam of a lot of different uh, spiritual and religious beliefs here on this earth. In real world, you know, so mm-hmm. and he just applied him to a fantasy world. So I think when you know that, it makes you look at the force a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I really wanted to bring up, and again, this is not my own theory, but it's a theory that goes back a number of years, and that is about Padme's death in Revenge of the Sith. There's a theory going back that it wasn't. Well, first off. The official diagnosis was never a broken heart. I mean, all she said is, you're breaking my heart. First off, with Padme, okay, the love of her life turned evil, massacred a bunch of children, and became literally the second most evil person in the entire galaxy. And she gives birth. That's a hell of a case of PTSD right there. At Mm -hmm. minimum. And and let me add add, as a father of four, postpartum depression, it's real, folks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I can believe it. It's it's real. (laughs) But I don't think a droid will necessarily understand the mental aspects of what could go through somebody like that, especially if you're dealing with the force at use. And the theory is that Palpatine was actually draining life force out of Padme to keep Anakin alive long enough for him to rescue Anakin, which I don't know about that because considering their planets apart and how that would work. But it would fit in with what we're talking about, you know, saving the people he likes from dying. Well, it's it's a better theory than anything else I've ever heard, because that's always been the $64,000 question in the original trilogy is, how is a young, healthy woman like Padme, with no complications in her child in her childbirth, just die all of a sudden after childbirth? Right. Especially, Especially in, a wor- in a world with that much technological and medical knowledge. Right. We're not talking the 1700s and here on Earth where, you know, 40-something percent of the women who gave, gave birth died in childbirth. No, no, no. We're right. talking about an extremely technologically advanced world. So, yeah, that to me is like, okay, that's a better explanation than anything else I've ever gotten. Right, right, exactly. And go for Papa Palpatine, you know, I mean, he then uses that to blame Anakin for it, which is the total Sith thing to do. You know, now you've sure. lost, you, you've just destroyed everything you love. Now you're all you have left. And once again, it also gives credence to something you and I have discussed before on mic and off mic, that as soon as Anakin got quote-unquote broken, (laughs) Palpatine was already planning to take his child and use him as a replacement. Oh, yeah. So so this just all plays into – if that is true, it plays into – keep her alive long enough for her to birth it. Remember, he doesn't know they're twins. He doesn't know. He just thinks it's a regular single childbirth. Right. Let Let her live long enough to birth this child. And uh, and and when that child's old enough, I'll turn that child to the dark side and get rid of his daddy. Right. And and now, granted, this is bringing the changes that George's did over the years into effect. But when you go and you see the special edition of Empire Strikes Back, when 
Vader's communing with the Emperor, and he says, oh yeah, the rebel that destroyed the Death Star, that's the son of Skywalker. And all of a sudden, Vader's like, uh, 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 how can this be possible? When really, when you read between the lines there, Emperor's like, yeah, yeah, Vader, I know what you're up to. And then Vader, once he whacks off Luke's hand there, is like, look, we can destroy the Emperor. He knows this. You know, it it all makes sense. And then, of course, third act of Return of the Jedi, when Vader... Uh, is beaten by Luke, what does Emperor say? Now take your father's place at my side. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Once again, you're the more bigger Star Wars nerd than me. We know that Palpatine tells Anakin Padme has died. Mm -hmm. Do we know whether he tells him whether the child survived or not? Well, at that time, yeah, I don't don't think he actually told him. Because I don't ever remember that at the end of of, of, of Revenge at all, episode three. Right. We only know of the baby because it's clear Anakin slash Vader did not know of twins. He didn't figure that out until Return of the Jedi, which is funny because he had several face-to-face confrontations with Leia. But but uh, I've also chalked it up to Leia didn't know either. Right. So exactly. how can he read her mind? How could he read her mind when her mind didn't even know? Exactly. But but yeah. So I think it's that Vader knew somehow that the child existed uh, and clearly knew that. Luke Skywalker was his son because Vader probably saw the name Skywalker. Well, mm-hmm. gee, that's my old self's last name. Right. You know. I also think when you when you especially based on the opening scrolls of the first three movies and how things progressed in the original three, uh yeah, obviously Darth Vader's not gonna do a whole lot without the okay of Palpatine, but it, they make it seem like through dialogue in the opening scrolls that Finding Luke is more of a Darth Vader thing than it is a Palpatine thing. Yeah, yeah. He's doing it without the Emperor's knowledge. And I think that plays into exactly what you're talking about. He he knows what Palpatine wants to do. And his his plan is to get Luke on his side and then they take over and, and destroy Palpatine. So mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, Darth Vader kind of got what he wanted. Right, right. It's why and we'll we'll probably close up with this, but one of my favorite scenes in all of the classic trilogy and thus in all of Star Wars is when Luke first turns himself in and we have that first meeting where, you know, oh, so now you've accepted the truth. You know, I've accepted that you're, you know, Anakin Skywalker, my father, because Luke first pleads to him, come back with me. You know, I can tell there's good in you. I can tell there's conflict, blah, blah, blah. And Vader just bows his head and says, it's too late for me. It's, it's like yep. he's admitting that Luke was right and this Yoda was right. You know, fear, anger, hate, suffering. You know, it, it, yep. it's all wound up in a bow right there. And, and you got to realize the awesome scene at the end of Rogue One where he loses his stuff and goes totally bamf. That notwithstanding, <laughs> that notwithstanding, everything we've seen of Darth Vader from the no moment at the at the you know end of of, of Revenge of the Sith till. You know, he's burned on the funeral pyre at the end of Return of the Jedi. We slowly see Darth Vader kind of giving up right. in the sense that he's going through the motions because he's he's had a lot of time to think about and observe what Palpatine does and realize, man, I really mucked this up. I, I, I made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. I backed the wrong pony. Am I wrong in saying that you can kind of see that coming? Because he gets less and less zealous as each progressive movie goes on. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd see that because the, I think the explanation is that no, or uh, believe it or not, what became do not want due to translation. So yes, Darth Vader gave us the term do not want. That scene there, that big no, that was 
symbolic of the death of Anakin Skywalker. And that's why past that for that last shot on uh, overlooking the Death Star in episode three, you notice now Vader's emotionless like we know him in, in the classic trilogy. That was what mm-hmm. that was supposed to signify. That was the last bit of emotion, you know. That he that he emoted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's going to wind up our talk here on The Mandalorian, as well as this force healing discussion. And I definitely want to know what you folks think about this. I mean, we are Geekville Radio. We are on just about anywhere fine podcasts can be found, and maybe even some not-so-fine podcasts. But, I mean, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I've actually been noticing we've been getting uh, some listens on Spotify. So if you want to give us a review on any of those platforms, the only thing I ask is just be honest. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. And the website is geekvilleradio.com. Geekville Radio is the Twitter and the Facebook. Um, We're always open uh, for feedback, and you can also reply on all of the entries we have at geekvilleradio.com. And Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about Star Wars or wrestling or anything else, uh, where can they find you on the interwebs? I can always be reached uh, on Twitter at crazytrain underscore JB. Always welcome any any kind of uh, discussion about Star Wars, comic books, horror movies, serial killers, professional wrestling, college football, heavy metal music, old country music, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's going to wrap up this episode of Geekville Radio. We'll be talking to you folks again soon. Because we still got to talk Crisis on Infinite Earths and a lot of the uh, great stuff that's going to be coming in movies and TV for the year 2020. This is Geekful Radio, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. You know, when you were explaining your theories on the Darksaber, mm-hmm. in my mind I had this picture of, of Xandrax with like bloodshot eyes and a big cup of coffee and like eight coffee pots around him and a wall full of like strings connecting to different pictures. But yeah. <laughs> So if Boba Fett was based on Clint Eastwood in The Man With No Name, did you know, Train, that Cad Bane was based on Lee Van Cleef? From Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Exactly, yes. That character? Yes. Well, I figured it had to be that. It couldn't be his character from Escape from New York, but that would be fine. (laughs) Right. (laughs)